Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Because one lifetime with you won't be nearly enough. I promise that you will always have my full and undivided attention, support, and energy. Even when the Lakers are playing. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where love don't costas Antetokounmpo a thing, but don't tell newlywed Tommy Alexander that, because his wedding a week or so ago was one grand and extravagant event that featured one lit live band that performed all the music for the night and must have definitely cost a pretty little penny. But man, was it all worth it. Just like it was worth it for the Lakers to appeal to the Antetokounmpo brotherly love angle by claiming the reigning MVP and future 2021 free agent Giannis Antetokounmpo's younger brother, Costas. But we'll get to Costas in a little bit, and we'll get to Ryan West and all that stuff in a bit. First off, congrats to Tommy and his wife Nicole for tying the knot in one of the funnest, most beautiful, and littest weddings that I've personally ever been to. Alan, do you concur? Oh yeah, it was it was goat status without a doubt, dude. Uh, it was like the best time ever. They spared no expense, and I'm glad they didn't because I don't think I'll personally ever be able to <laughs> muster up the amount of money to put on a wedding like that. But I'm glad that I personally was able to experience it. Just use the Patreon fund; it's fine. <laughs> oh, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe if our listeners uh, donate enough, we, we can make our dream weddings happen. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's what all the Patreon money went to these, these past few months. It was all for this wedding. So for $44, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was held at the Adamson House, which is which I didn't know until, you know, last weekend that it was a pretty historic house in Malibu. But it was in Malibu right next to the beach. And, you know, just having the reception area or the dinner area, the recital area right next to the beach and you see the sun setting and surf people still surfing out there. It was pretty magical, man. I don't know. It was great. Um, and during the ceremony, they even had bunnies hopping around the yard while they were Oh, were doing... there really? I didn't even see <laughs> yeah, them, dude. There, there were several bunnies just hopping around in the background. So to say it was magical is an understatement. <laughs> that, that's legit something out of fairy tale. So were they like cartoon bunnies? You know what I mean? Like, in the old school movies where, like, you'll have humans, like, I'm pretty sure in, like, Mary Poppins, there are, like, cartoon-ish animals running around in the movie with the real people. So, that's my question. Were the bunnies, like, cartoons? No, even better, Alan. It was photorealistic Lion King stuff. (laughs) (laughs) They were alive. Um, (laughs) It means no worries. (laughs) 
Um, I haven't watched the movie yet. Me neither. Anyways, uh, Spoilers. To, to get back to the point, um, back to the live band, Alan, how awesome was it to have a legit 10-piece, I think it was at 12. least 10-piece band, by the way, 12-piece yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. How, how awesome was it oh to have God. a legit like 12-piece band and one that was good play all the dance music for the night and sometimes even get out on the floor and sing yeah. with us, almost like it was like a very concert-like vibe and it was so, I mean, it, it hits differently when you got the actual drums and you got an actual saxophone player and like a backup, backup singers, you know, doing harmony. Like choreography too. <laughs> yeah, it, it hits so much differently when you're out on the dance floor and you don't even realize it. So I, I really appreciated that. What did you think of the live band? Shout outs to the Rembrandt band. That's their name. Um, yeah, like you said, 12 piece, they had five vocalists. God, it, it really does make a huge difference. And I mean... There were members of the band playing music prior to the ceremony um, as we were, like, as the groomsmen and the bridal party was walking down the aisle, like the keyboardist was playing during cocktail hour, the keyboardist was playing along with a guitar player. And then, yeah, like during the reception, it was just nonstop live music. So it really enhanced things. I mean, weddings are great as they are, right? But God, it just took it to another level. And, um, it's awesome because I've been I was fortunate enough to be like a part of the wedding as a groomsman and um Tommy has been talking about the specifics of this wedding pretty much since they booked the venue like he was talking about <laughs> every single venue as they were visiting them to me so to see it all unfold like minute by minute <laughs> exactly as he told me it would go for the last like 700 days um was really awesome. And and the most yeah. important thing obviously is like how happy Tommy and Nicole were. I know oh, Tommy sure. was absolutely thrilled that everything worked out like to a T, you know, and his main goal for all the guests was to just have it be like a huge party. And as long yeah. as everyone's getting lit, as long as everybody's having like the best times of their lives and it just feels like a massive party, then that's it. He's like I don't care about all the like super traditional like bouquet toss and garter toss and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff he's like, i just want people to have fun no interruptions for that stuff be on the dance floor the whole time get drunk and that's it and that is what everybody did so yeah it was great dude it was it was one of the most seamless and efficient weddings that i've ever yes, been to it was like yes. bam 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 so you know we're a lakers basketball podcast you want to talk about efficiency rating and per tommy's <laughs> wedding was like 99th percentile of all of that okay yeah so yeah it was great and you know that you know when you have live bands it could go one of two ways right they could be really bad and it could be hokey <laughs> or they could be really good and luckily we got the latter portion of that and had them doing the music and they were doing like modern hits they were doing oldies usually you have a dj mixing all those tracks together but because we had a live band it wasn't just like they they perform one song and then it would end abruptly exactly they were like transitioning into the next song flawlessly what was your favorite transition jonathan <laughs> the Gangnam Style yes. one. I don't even know what the song was before that, <laughs> but either. when it hit, everybody just started jumping up and down like wild animals. It was amazing. Oh, the other one was, that was really good was um, Gold Digger oh, yeah. into New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was awesome. Hey, actually, let me play a clip from the dance floor right now <laughs> so people can understand what we're talking about here. Let's hear it.
So that was, uh, if, if you didn't know, that was the, the song Worth It. And I just really like the saxophonist part because he really riffs on that. And it's, yeah. I mean, you can tell how much harder it hits when you hear it live and how good the saxophonist is. I mean, we're all band nerds here, so we have a higher Absolutely. level of appreciation. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, was a, it was an awesome good time. Congrats to Tommy and Nicole for having the wedding of their dreams. Yeah. Tommy's currently finishing up his honeymoon in Italy right now. So hope he ate a ton of good food, saw some amazing sights. And unlike Avery Bradley and Boogie Cousins, hope he packed on some honeymoon bod weight. <laughs> he, did, he did keto for like the last eight days or so. So yeah, it's all going to be back now. <laughs> Same keto diet as a Boogie. Yeah. But I didn't tell you this, but in his guest book, which their guest book this year was just like a travel guide to Italy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a huge, it's like a thick book just about Italy. Yeah, it's like a coffee table type thing. In it, in my dedication, I wrote, it's... Literally. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh, so I hope Tommy had fun with that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the Lakers tonight. This is summer, so we can also talk about whatever we want to. Tonight's outline, obviously we're going to talk about the big Ryan West bombshell that came out over the weekend with the Lakers parting ways with their director of player personnel for the last 10 years. Uh, we'll get into some recent Lakers news. Some updated thoughts on the Lakers offseason, the roster, the rotations next year, and also dissect whether or not maybe we should be more disappointed about losing Kawhi. But before we get to all that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, that's how many more times LeBron James will continue to hijack Bronny James High School basketball showcases with an impromptu dunk contest to keep his body spry while he films Space Jam 2. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Especially considering LeBron James never actually gave us the slam dunk contest that we've been waiting for since he came out of high school. He should just suit up and play with the kids. It's fine. Absolutely. And if people keep rating and reviewing us, those highlights will keep coming to the point where we'll have enough video to piece together a LeBron James slam dunk contest reel that can just live in place of the one that, you know, we were always hoping for. So please rate and review us for that reason. Also, if you'd like to donate to to us financially, to our wedding so, funds. I'm just kidding. so that Alan and I can even reach 50% of the <laughs> litmus level that Tommy's wedding was, please donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. You can do so for a dollar or two dollars and also the benefits of doing that this summer is we have a lot of great content queued up that you'll get early listens to including an interview i did with chicago basketball club's founder tim brennan he's also a tim grover disciple and tim grover worked out with uh Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant as an athletic trainer, personal trainer. He talks to us about Taylor Horton Tucker and his rise in Chicago. And then I also talked to Gary Kablian, who is the founder of Evo Sports and who's been working out with uh, Deshaun Jackson in the offseason. And actually, he's worked out with Deshaun Jackson ever since he was like 10, believe it or not. Uh, he focuses on speed and agility training, speed, agility, and explosiveness training. And he also worked out with, more relevantly for Lakers fans, Kyle Kuzma. And so I talked to him about how that partnership came about, and all of our Patreon listeners will get an early look and listen to that. So please consider donating. Um, also, lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out. They've got some really good, nifty betting tips for you all for this upcoming season. Football's coming up, baseball's in session, and the NBA shortly after that. Um, with that plugging out of the way, Alan, I started a new segment on this show last week. It's a cool summer segment, just, just for fun, like an icebreaker, because God knows we need some ice uh, with how hot it's been in L.A. recently. 
Um, it's called Double Foul. It's a it's essentially a Lakers version of uh, Would You Rather, like a worst case scenario. Would you rather? Um, and you know, like a double foul, Allen in the NBA, it's a almost unnecessary call that just leaves two parties kind of unsatisfied and annoyed, right? I hate so them. you hate them. So true to the name, I'm gonna give you two options I that you're likely segment. going I'm to just hate. I'm just <laughs> and you're gonna have to pick out of those two options, Alan, the lesser of oh. two evils, essentially. Okay. So double foul. In the event that a young core member wins a finals MVP in another uniform before Anthony Davis does, Alan. <laughs> Would you rather see foul one, Lonzo Ball win it in a Pelicans uniform, or foul two, <laughs> I already know it. D'Angelo yeah, Russell win it, it in a Warriors uniform? Which will sting less for you internally? Uh, um, which will sting less, Lonzo? Yeah? Yeah, Why? yeah. Um... Well, I think part of it, it has less to do with D'Angelo. It would just be that this is assuming like D'Angelo's with the Warriors, right? I mean, I guess he could get traded. He could be on a different team at some point. Is this just over the course of like, yeah, so would D'Angelo's be in Golden State? Well, let's just say that he wins it in a Golden State Warriors uniform in the next two years or so. Okay, okay. That one, yeah, I think the Golden State factor um, causes me to like feel even worse about that just because it's the Warriors and they've won so much mm, already. Right. 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 Um, and then with Lonzo, it's like, I just feel bad for the guy. You know, there's a lot of like sympathy for him just for everything he's been through, <clears throat> whether it's big baller brand stuff, his dad, all the injuries he has had. Um, I don't feel any type of way whatsoever towards new Orleans. Um, I mean, despite like basketball reasons, I guess like there is some, history as far as that goes but i I don't really care about the pelicans whereas the Mm -hmm. warriors are in division rivals and things like that so um it's it's almost like d'angelo's would hit a little too close to home and because of how that trade went down which we've talked about so many times yeah i think it would just conjure up all those feelings of oh we really Mm -hmm. didn't have to trade him lonzo uh yeah we had to trade him you know to get anthony davis and it's 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 worth it (laughs) um so yeah that's why i go with zoe i'd be cool with that i like how you brought in the team dynamic of things because that is that is quite important um i actually picked the opposite which is good do you like how i threw in worth it in there (laughs) (laughs) um Luckily, I actually picked the opposite, and so we can get two sides go. of the coin here. I disagree. I... <laughs> You're wrong. I mean, wrong. obviously, they're, they're, both, they're both terrible options. They will pull at our heartstrings. I do agree with you that we've had more an emotional gut punch to the D'Angelo Russell stuff than Lonzo because Lonzo, we were able to mentally embrace it because we knew it was coming for quite a while, right? The D'Angelo thing came out of nowhere and we haven't been able to recover ever since almost. Um, But I think I'm okay with D'Angelo Russell winning in a Warriors uniform or I guess just winning finals MVP because uh, I think a lot of it will be bolstered up by the fact that he's next to Curry, Draymond, and Clay. So in this hypothetical, like, he had a ton of help. You know, it's not like it's just D'Angelo Russell was, I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself into it. But I just feel like if Lonzo Ball wins in a Pelicans uniform, it'll legitimately be because, like, he turned into 
like a legitimate mm. multi-year all-star, probably really deserved that finals MVP. Where D'Angelo, it's like maybe he kind of just got a little bit better, but was bolstered up by everybody else. Like an Andre Iguodala winning <laughs> kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, okay. right. Okay. And, and I think the thing with Lonzo Ball winning in a Pelicans uniform, it stings a little bit more because you know LeVar Ball is going to gaggle <laughs> Lakers Nation for all it's worth and remind them, you traded my boy, you know? <laughs> and I don't know if I can handle that. I don't. I think Lonzo Ball will be a little more uh, gracious and graceful with that. Oh, but yeah. who knows? I don't know, you know? I think yeah. the, the bitterness factor will be heavier on the Lonzo Ball side or even just the Ball family side than it will D'Angelo because D'Angelo's been past the Lakers stuff for a while now. So... If you're keeping putting into perspective that angle, that's maybe why I lean more towards, yeah, D'Angelo Russell wins with the Warriors. It's kind of like, okay, ho-hum, we've seen that before. So, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, so there it is, double foul. Alan, how do you, how do you come away feeling? <laughs> I feel worse <laughs> because I'm imagining both of these guys winning championships, and it makes me upset. <laughs> With Anthony Davis just watching, like, on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't know why I created this game. It's not a very fun summer game, but it's... Uh... <laughs> it's because you hate us all. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a fun game. I like it. Let's let's just have... We, one day we should have one hour's worth of double fouls. Oh, no, just for sure. I mean, that's episode. What, I mean, that's what the summer's for, right? And if you guys have any, have any ideas for more double fouls... Yeah, tweet comment us. On, yeah, tweet us. Comment on the iTunes rating and review. And if you have your own thoughts on this double foul, do so as well on all of those different platforms. All right, so that's double foul. Let's take it to break. When we get back from break, pitch it to our sponsors. Uh, we'll talk about some quick-hitting Lakers news. And then shortly after that, Ryan West, Lakers rotation, Kawhi Leonard, Clippers, blah, 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 blah. All right, Alan, we're back. I just wanted to talk about some quick hits on some relevant Lakers news that's happening in the offseason because I know we're short on any and all of that. Um, The FIBA World Cup training camp is about to start in the next week or so. The red and blue, I don't know if it's red and blue or red and white, one of those those three colors, two of those three colors, they're going to have an exhibition game as they usually do on August 9th in Vegas. Uh, By that time, the U.S. roster will be cut down to the official 12-man roster. Kyle Kuzma is currently part of that uh, group. Uh, And I think at this point, with so many people withdrawing, he has a really good shot at making that 12-man group. Um, He's going to be facing off against players like Mason Plumlee, P.J. Tucker, Jalen Brown, former Laker Julius Randle, Andre Drummond, Brooke Lopez, Bam Adebayo, Harrison Barnes, Marcus Smart, Thad Young. So I think he has a decent chance of, you know, making the 12-man roster. The only two players on that roster currently who have, like, a high pedigree or a high profile would be Kemba Walker and Kyle Lowry. But outside of that, it's a mishmash of really young players. And, you know, maybe you can lock in a Donovan Mitchell and a Jason Tatum, but... I mean, Kyle Kuzma has as good a chance as any as any of the other guys that I just mentioned to make that 12-man roster. And, you know, with the FIBA World Cup, it's funny, but the USA historically tends to take the Olympics way more seriously than the FIBA World Cup when it comes to basketball. Yeah. But for the world, it's actually flipped. The rest of the world actually takes the World Cup more seriously, true to the name. Hmm. as they do with you know soccer world Cup. Sure. so it's interesting yeah. that we're going back to like old days of like ah just send our jv squad out there you know i mean at the very least it, it'll keep things interesting this summer to be clear those games start i think 
we have the exhibition August 9th. I think they do a training camp after that. And then I think games start like at the end of August through September 15th. So what are your thoughts about Kyle Kuzma potentially getting to be on this team, how that'll affect his summer into training camp, essentially? Do you think it might be a detriment for him to be overworking himself uh, this entire year, playing the most basketball that he's probably ever played in an entire year? Or do you consider it a benefit and just the thoughts of, at least it'll give us some reprieve this summer of a pretty long and dry offseason, more so than we had expected? Yeah, uh, I mean, just Kobe here, right? He's 24 years old. So um, he's young. He's got this. Uh, I think... Yeah, it, it seems like he has not had like a break this entire offseason, right? Except for hanging out with someone in the Kardashian family. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, yeah, it's been like nonstop conditioning, nonstop basketball for him. And he, he seems incredibly focused. And, you know, being that kind of third guy on the team behind LeBron and Boogie and, um, <laughs> and, Boogie, and AD, um, yeah, no, I think this is good. And having that exposure to like a Greg Popovich, you know, run team and then um, <clears throat> just the opportunity to pick other players brains and be surrounded by, um, I mean, it's not like the same like level of competition that we're accustomed to or anything like that. But I think it's still good to be surrounded by others and just focused on basketball. And um, as far as like him being... Uh, like burned out or something as a result of this. I mean, none of us can say for sure whether there's a higher likelihood of that happening, but um, I, I think it's a good thing in the end. I think I would be more upset if he was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to rest my body and just focus on the season. Um, again, for Anthony Davis to say that is one thing, but uh, for Kuzma, it's, it's different. It's a great opportunity for the guy. And it's, it's kind of like if that window is there for you, you better go through it mm -hmm. because you don't know uh, if you'll ever get invited to this, to this sort of thing again. And that's cool to potentially see him with Julius Randle, you know, like yeah. just our boys <laughs> out there together again. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad he's seizing the opportunity and it's a once in a life, it's literally a once in a lifetime experience, you know, even from a, like an intangible level, like the experience that'll gain uh, going overseas and playing against all these different countries. Um, and I think it's a good, uh, you know, warm up practice for him because, I mean, essentially he's entering a pseudo super team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, right? And him being able to be on a Team USA, and it's funny that we maybe have like better top top end players than what they have right now. But you know, getting having to play with Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, working with guys like Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, he'll already get some practice in with how to not that he ever had this problem, but how to properly defer, when to pick his spots, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then on top of it, I think. Like you said, as a young guy, good for him to continue to get some run, hone and craft his game, and kind of get a head start on training camp, because as we all know, he's been working out with Lethal Shooter. He changed his jump shot form up. The mechanics are different. He shoots it over his head so that it's not covering his face anymore. And with that, you know there are going to be some kinks to work out, right? And so even from a selfish Lakers level, I'm glad that he's going to have this opportunity, and hopefully he makes the team, to kind of work out those kinks and shoot up a bunch of shots in real game situations, in competitive situations. And hopefully by training camp, he's already got all those worked out, all the humps and bumps worked out with regards to his uh, shot mechanics. So by the time 
training camp rolls around, he's not going to have the hiccups anymore. He'll be more comfortable shooting with his new form, and we'll be ready to go. We'll hit the ground running from there. So for all those reasons, I think it's a great opportunity. And from a basketball level in terms of you know whether or not we think he's going to make it, when it comes to these international games, shooting is so important, right? Because everybody like overseas knows how to shoot, and that's what killed the USA, you know, in the early to mid two thousands. Because we had a bunch of quote unquote shooters who knew how to shoot the ball, but weren't like prolific three point shooters. And while Kyle Kuzma isn't a prolific three point shooter by percentage standards, he at least shoots the ball right, or is confident in shooting the ball and has that gravity. And compared to the guys I listed, Mason Plumley, uh, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Harrison Barnes, Thad Young, he's a better shooter than all of those guys. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> no question at all. I think because of that, Kyle Kuzma is actually one of the few shooters out there who you know will at least take those shots and keep the defense honest. So I think that's why maybe he'll have a, a better shot than most in uh, making the team. Uh, with that said, let's move on to, I guess, another shooting angle of things. The Lakers signed Mike Penber 3, Alan, yeah. um, from the Kobe Shaq Championship days. No lethal shooter, but I think Mike Penber the last few years has established himself as a shooting coach for NBA teams and NBA organizations. So uh, in 2014-15 season, he was actually the Wolves shooting coach. And then he was also on the Pelicans last year. So he has that familiarity with Anthony Davis. So I think that'll help. Obviously, he has familiarity with the Lakers organization. And I think in general, just familiarity working for an NBA organization, knowing the ins and outs of that. Your quick thoughts on uh, bringing back Mike Penberthy and actually having a legit shooting coach on a team with a bunch of 38, 40% three-point shooters. <laughs> it's funny. I think we actually found this news out right before Tommy's wedding last week. <laughs> yeah, that's why we were so lit on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> the Rembrandt band even shouted out Mike Penberthy during Gangnam Style, which was awesome. I'm just kidding, that didn't happen. No. But um, <laughs> yeah, like all the groomsmen were getting ready. Uh, and by getting ready, I mean taking shots of vodka before the ceremony. Hey. And um, one of our friends, shout out to Jeff Newman, pulled out his phone and was like, <laughs> dude, the Lakers signed Mike Penberthy as a shooting coach. We were like, oh, and like we went crazy. So that's that, hilarious. Yeah, dude, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so that's. I, I will always remember where I was when the Lakers signed Mike Penberthy, just like all the other big name stars over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't, I don't really have like a very strong opinion about it, you know. Like, other than the fact that we hired a shooting coach is a good thing, since we were one of the few teams I'm assuming in the league who did not have a shooting coach over the last few years. So it's something we've been clamoring for, so good on them for going out and finding someone. I guess there's a little bit of a initial disappointment that it's not Lethal Shooter, but again, mm -hmm. like, why do we feel that at all, right? I guess it's right. just because Lethal Shooter has a strong social media presence, he has a dope name, like, Lethal Shooter sounds <laughs> arguably better than Mike Penberthy, um, but... Again, like, why Why should we be like, oh, no, like, I wanted Lethal Shooter instead. Like, I, I don't know, actually, why we would say right. something like that. And the fact that <clears throat> Lethal Shooter is still, like, working with our players, I mean, that's a good thing, obviously. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully it pays dividends. I mean, the other thing is we have good shooters on the team now and guys like Quinn Cook and Danny Green. So by that alone... 
um, our team's shooting percentage and all that efficiency is going to go up. So, uh, yeah, I think he also rocks a bow tie. So nice. And that's something I sort of know how to tie now, thanks to Tommy's wedding. So I, I can relate to him on that level. Yeah, he rocks a bow tie during those uh, training sessions and <laughs> only a bow it's tie. Great. Only a bow tie, no shirt, no, no, nothing else. Bow tie shooter coming to you at <laughs> near gym <laughs> this summer. Uh, you know, I agree, and I think the players will get both sides of the coin in terms of Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma. They've been working out with Lethal Shooter; they'll get another perspective, so that should only help them. And I think he will pay dividends for the young guys like Taylor Horton Tucker. Alex Caruso, like I mentioned, Kyle Kuzma. Anthony Davis is, is also continuing to hone that three-point shot and make it be a more feature part of his game. So I think Mike Penver- Penberthy should help with that. And if there are any people lagging behind on the free-throw shooting level again, I, I think there's a lot less of those cases this season, but Penberthy should definitely help with that. So JaVale McGee, 70% free-throw shooter. Here we come. Um Last uh, news tidbit I wanted to get to was the what I started the show out with, Costas Antetokounmpo. Uh, Giannis's brother is now on the Lakers as a two-way player. We claimed him off waivers. He assumes the Lakers' second two-way spot, which means we still have that one official roster spot left. We're supposedly saving it still for Iggy, which I think is smart. Zach Norvell took up the other two-way spot. So we'll see what happens with you know, training camp and what they do with a guy like Kaycock. Maybe they just make him an Exhibit 10 player, bring him on to the South Bay Lakers and keep them on that team. Or maybe they convert one of Norvell, Costas, or Kaycock into the guaranteed spot if they know Iggy's not coming and then bring Kaycock into that second two-way roster slot. We'll see. Um, but... Alan, what are you, what were your impressions of, you know, taking this gamble, taking this lottery ticket swing at Giannis's brother? Were you a little annoyed that it's like, oh, well, this is kind of obvious what we're doing here. We got Jason Kidd and we got Costas Antetokounmpo. We know how close the Antetokounmpo brothers are. I'm sure in the same way that LeBron James wants to play with Bronny in the NBA, that Giannis would love to one day play with his brothers. And we've accomplished one third of that. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And are you, are you, I don't know if annoyed is the word, but are you a little sheepish or maybe even embarrassed at how maybe obvious the uh, angle is to, to bring on a guy like Costas? I'm good with it. I think that, I think just the novelty of having the name on Tedakumpo on a Laker jersey, regardless <laughs> of what the first name is, is really freaking cool. But in all honesty, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's like hiding in plain sight, right? We know exactly what the motive is here. Um, but that's fine if you, you got to swing, right? And if we want to tamper and all that stuff, this is going to be the only way that we can do it. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily like a waste of a roster spot or anything like that. Um, yeah, like if we're playing the, the double foul game or whatever, right. But not really, really just asking <laughs> like, who would you want between Costas or would you prefer, I don't know. Who's, who's another guy that you could throw out there? What's another name? I guess, like, Jonathan Williams? Sure. Like, who would you rather have? Like, eh? I don't know. Like, Jonathan Williams was nice. You know, he was he was pretty good for us. But in terms of their fit on this roster and their contribution, I think it's going to be about the same, and it's minimal at best. So, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, like, 
I think there's a higher ceiling for Costas in terms mm-hmm. of our team's long-term plans than there would be Jonathan Williams. We'll put it that way. Absolutely. And let's not even overlook just his tantalizing length and upside, right? He's a 6'11 guy with a 7-foot wingspan who's showcased some handles in the G League. I mean, that's athletic clay that you can mold at the very least, right? Yeah. Given that we have a guy like Phil Handy, who kind of oversaw Pascal Siakam's breakout year with the Raptors last year, that's a perfect Phil Handy mentee to have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe Kostas can one day, and maybe this is a too high of a ceiling, can turn into like a very, very Giannis. poor man's, <laughs> a very, very poor man's Giannis, or like an Alfaruka Minu, right? He can't really shoot, but he can dribble a little. But you know, he can play defense and just use his length to bother people. I mean, he's he's dribbling the ball down in transition and everything. He he becomes our Isaac Bonga replacement essentially, <laughs> but like taller and even longer. So oh, when you bring a Bonga though, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe uh, maybe I prefer Bonga. <laughs> Um, but like you mentioned, when it comes to tampering, the, the Lakers recruitment of Giannis starts now and Costas becomes a direct vessel with which they can actually indirectly let Giannis know, one, how well run and sterling an organization they are. And, and whether or not it's authentic or for show, you know that the Lakers front office and organization will 100% be on their best behavior for Costas, right? And really roll out the red carpet the way the red carpet has never been rolled out for a G League player before. <laughs> and you know they're going to show him the best of what the Lakers have to offer. Training facility-wise, you know, player development coach-wise, the, how well-run the South Bay Lakers are. And you know all this information is going to be relayed back to Giannis in one way or another. And yep. that's positive points for us, no matter how you shake it. Whether or not we get Giannis or even get a meeting with him in the future or not. It's just positive things to store in your database that can... can maybe sometime in the future pan out for you. And you got to take those swings and shots, especially given how the Lakers, you know, are going to be missing a few of their first rounders in the future, may not have the same draft capital. Take a swing on a guy like Costas and see what you can do, especially because you know it's tied to something higher and greater in Giannis. So we're really playing next level 4D Connect 4 here (laughs) with Costas. (laughs) So yeah, great move by the Lakers. Um, Very low risk, high reward type of move. With that said, we'll take it to break. And I know I just mentioned, I just talked about how the Lakers will be rolling out the red carpet and showing what a well-run Sterling organization they are. Our next topic may put that into question <laughs> with the departure of Ryan West. So we'll take it to break one more time. Maybe Costas doesn't like Ryan West. Maybe Costas don't like Ryan West. 5D Chinese checkers. <laughs> Chinese checkers. That is a... Uh, that's a complicated game. Um, so yeah, we'll take it to break, and when we get back, we'll talk about Ryan West, Lakers rotations, updated offseason thoughts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right, Alan. So over the weekend, the news dropped that all of a sudden the Lakers have decided to part ways with Ryan West. At the time, we weren't sure was that a mutual parting of ways. Momo Shelburne came out and said that both parties decided to, you know, dissolve their relationship and uh, pursue other opportunities. So obviously it came as a shock to a lot of Lakers fans. Ryan West has been at the helm of our sterling draft record for the last couple years in this rebuild era. He's been with our organization for the last 10 years, and he had assumed that role as the director of player personnel. Joey Buss, Jesse Buss working under him, and the rest of the scouts like Can Pellister. I guess, what was your initial reactions, first of all? I think for me, obviously, it's a disappointment. And I don't want to dismiss the notion that 
it's a peg down. It's a gut punch. No matter how you look at the Lakers are worse today than they were yesterday without Ryan West. So I think all of that is fair. I agree with all of those points. You want to have as many smart people in the room as you can. But Alan, as it is with any organization and business, timing means everything. There is a structure in place. And sometimes things just can't work out because of the timing and because of the structure that's currently in place internally. And people like to say, oh, they should have just hired Ryan West to a, to, and promoted him to a higher position to appease him, et cetera, et cetera, acting like that's such an easy thing to do. And for me, especially having no idea how the internal structure of the Lakers front office organization works, regardless of what we've heard of how messy and disorganized it is, you know, this past summer, I mean, it's always easier said than done to say something like, well, why didn't they just promote him, you know, to assistant GM or something? And at the end of the day, you also have to factor into all of this, the fact that maybe Ryan West just has different personal aspirations for himself. And for him, maybe it's just time to move on. I don't know what that means, but maybe he's taking into account his family. He is the son of Jerry West, who's with the Clippers and all that. So I, I guess initially for you, what are your what were your initial thoughts? And then do you think that maybe the Lakers could have done more to keep him and yeah, just just your general thoughts on this. Um, initially, was surprised for sure. Uh, I think we all, with what limited information we had, figured that uh, he would be with us long term. And obviously, his goal, I would think, as is the case with anyone in a, especially professional sports organization, is to continue moving up the ladder, right? So we probably all envisioned him, like you said potentially becoming assistant GM or whatever it looks like on the organizational chart at some point in time. Um, so for us to part ways with him, especially heading into such an exciting season, was like, oh, shoot, like that kind of sucks. Like We've enamored ourselves with this guy over the years and um, kind of thought about that potential there. But yeah, again, when you take a step back, um, we don't know what his goals are. Again, like of course his goals, I'm sure he wants to be like, a general manager someday, right? Or like the head of something like, uh, to really elevate himself. And if he didn't foresee an opportunity like that with us, then it only makes sense for him to move on somewhere else. And you're going to take away the, the history of his dad, you know, working for us and it's the Lakers and you picked up Kobe Bryant from the airport when he was a kid. And like, yeah, like all that stuff is there. There's history, um, there's an emotional element to it for sure, and it, it kind of feels like severing ties with a family member, but um, if he didn't see growth within our organization for himself, then jumping ship makes sense, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming right. that that's the primary reason for it. Um, and as you said, and you know, like Tommy mentioned this in our group chat a bunch, like, we don't exactly know what he himself was responsible for over like his tenure with us this is not to mm -hmm. downplay what he may have been responsible for but was he like the head of the snake i mean maybe or maybe Title not wise for sure yeah exactly um but as far as his direct influence on things um we can assume one way or the other you know whether he was extremely influential or maybe not as much as we actually thought. So, um, But like you said, at the end of the day, we are losing 
one member of the team who was definitely a positive in the organization and not a negative. So for that matter, we uh, we took a hit, and um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this kind of reshuffles, I guess, some mm-hmm. of the again like structure within our front office and our, our personnel management. Um, I don't know who gets uh, elevated or promoted at this point or who else we bring in to replace a person, but um, <laughs> I think what'll suck is if Ryan West goes to the Clippers. Right. I think that would be like, oh, God. Like, and it seems like that's the obvious thing, right? But then, yeah, we don't know. So that's it. Do you put any blame on the Lakers front office for not doing everything they could and bending over backwards to promote him a higher level to maybe make him stay. I think like you mentioned the shuffling aspect of things and what if part of the reason, and I'm not justifying anything, but what if part of the reason why the Lakers didn't do that is because they knew that the people doing the brunt of the work, and again, not to discredit anything Ryan West did, what if the Lakers front office and Palinka were confident enough in the people remaining, Joey Buss, Jesse Buss, Nick Mazzella, who was promoted to director of player yeah, Mazella was director of pro personnel, whatever that means. Um, but what if the Lakers were comfortable with, oh, I know we're taking a huge loss here by letting Ryan West go, but actually we were already grooming Joey Buss, Jesse Buss, to take that position eventually. And Momo actually said that the reason why both parties decided to mutually part ways is because they both realized that the ceiling of this role at least in the near future, not to say that it's always going to be this way, but in the near future wasn't had a cap to it, essentially. I mean, Rob Palenka is the GM, right? We can make up imaginary like titles all we want, assistant GM or whatever, but exactly. what does that really mean? Yeah, yeah, your functions are going to remain the same. Right, and, and for anyone that's worked in any corporate organization, you know that, especially if you've worked under like a manager or a director, that sometimes the the soul of a project or the the inception of an idea doesn't necessarily always come from the director. They're kind of, of just the ones that pull the trigger. Yeah, you, you know, execute. when they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Exactly. Right, right. And so, I mean, some would actually argue that guys like Joey, Joey Buss and uh, Jesse Buss, I may have said Joey West and Jesse West previously, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, forgive me for that. But Imagawa Yaki, Iwawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimawakimaw
I'm not even justifying the front office. I'm already agreeing with the fact that we are worse off than we were yesterday. But that doesn't mean that the following steps and the next steps won't help us moving forward or rebuild that structure moving forward. And we are entering into a new era of Lakers basketball. There have been some changes. We have brought back some old faces. But by all accounts, sometimes it's not a bad thing to altogether across the line kind of move in the same direction in terms of we are taking a fresh new approach to things you know it's gonna suck in the interim it's gonna suck in the transition because transition is always hard right but what are the next steps to come out of this i i I don't agree with especially because we don't have all the details with some people using this as another case of Look at the Lakers' dysfunction. Screw you, Palinka, Genie Bus. Sell the team. Should have fired Palinka. Palinka, you should have given up your GM job to Ryan West to to help him stay and bump yourself down. Like, how realistic is that? No, that would be very extreme. And I don't think this is like a dollars issue. You know what I mean? Because some people might say, oh, well, you know, the Bus family isn't as wealthy as you might think because you know like the whole like look at steve ballmer like he's a tech guy and then the bus family their main source of income is the lakers so if you want to keep ryan west just like shell out the money i don't think there's a money thing like momo said it has to do with position and and potential right so we can most likely rule that aspect of it out but as far as me feeling like oh look how dysfunctional the lakers are i mean there is a bit of a like Similar feeling to when we released guys like Ronnie Lester back in the mm-hmm. day, right? This is like right after Dallas destroyed us in the in the playoffs. And we started releasing all these personnel guys who'd been with us forever, including like equipment managers, you know, who dated back right. to like Showtime. Um, and it, it was this kind of strange like transition, I guess. I, I could see where this sort of feels like that because, yeah, like Ryan West has been around Again, like, I'm pretty sure that the story goes that he picked Kobe up from the airport, right? Um, And they are, like, the exact same age. But in terms of the Lakers conceding to whatever he wants, like, just elevating him and giving him an artificial title for the sake of retaining him, again, if that doesn't change your job duties and responsibilities, then what the hell is the point of that? It, It just sounds like, at the end, like, it was a mutual parting, right? So if they weren't able to see eye to eye, if they were trying to negotiate some sort of um, level of influence for him with him being the one pushing more responsibility on himself and we were not, we didn't envision that for him, then what are you going to do? You're going to keep a disgruntled guy around? Like, obviously, he, it sounds like he decided to leave, you know? Um, And I, I don't know what else you do with that. Right. And, you know, for me, I think my problem with it is people have been super overreactionary all summer long with the front office. Right. And for good reason, because it started off as a a track record thing. Right. Like, well, look at what's happened in the past. So, of course, this this smells like disaster. Sure. But as has been the case the entire summer, all of the unfounded claims have been, you know, resolved and things have come to light where it's like, oh, actually, all of those crazy stories about Rob Plinka doing this, doing that, and the dysfunction happening were actually kind of snuffed out a bit when, when the truth came to light, including the cap space problems, people saying that Rob Plinka can't work with other GMs, David Griffin going out there and being like, actually, he was very professional and we really appreciate him. You know, so like all of those crazy claims and knocks against the front office have kind of been, like I mentioned, snuffed out. 
And to this point, they've done a lot of really good things rebounding from the Magic Johnson debacle, right? I'm even surprised that we're even at the state that we're at coming out of the end of last season. And I feel like too often, if you held this very skeptical point of view of Rob Palenka, that anytime anything negative comes out, you use that as another opportunity to get on your soapbox and like vent again, you know? And I feel like that's what's happening. And for me, it's just like, I don't know, man, we can do that, but I'll wait till the actual evidence and tangible details come come out. Because as has been the case so often this summer, we've lost our heads over stuff that we simply had no knowledge of prior. We didn't have all the details. And when all the details came out, we were like, okay, I guess that isn't so bad. You know, the cap space stuff. We didn't have max cap space. Oh, actually, he always knew the accounting process of what was going to happen and how to free up that cap space, right? And I feel like people are using this as another opportunity to slander Rob Palenka, crap (laughs) on the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. When really that just, this may not have been in their control. And it's easier said than done to be like, do whatever it takes to keep Ryan West. What does that mean? (laughs) You know, so... (laughs) So what happens if another team snatches him up like this week and he gets like some sort of promotion, basically? Because that kind of feels like a confirmation. Yeah, like how does that make you feel like, oh shit, like that team kind of sees something in him, right? And they seem to value whatever his skill set is, whatever he brings to the organization. And obviously you'd have to wait like an entire season plus to see some sort of results or like for that to bear fruit. But again, if any team, it doesn't have to be the Clippers, right? If some team signs Ryan West, gives him the title of blank in the next week, it would lead one to believe like, oh shoot, other teams see what he brings to the table and they value him. And now they took advantage of the fact that we let him go. I think I would view it as that has been in the works and this is Uh why he's chosen to part ways with the Lakers because he Mm -hmm. sees a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion, like it would be silly for the 29 other teams to not <laughs> try and go after of course Ryan West you know so for me it's like oh okay it's like what normally happens when you switch jobs or pursue another opportunity right like i've seen the extent of my growth at this company and yeah. i don't think that should be taken as so i'm leaving and then i don't think that should be taken as oh Ryan West is leaving because he saw all the dysfunction up Lakers top suck. and was like yeah exactly <laughs> It's just like, no, he no, wanted to try something new. No, that's not why people always leave jobs. It, yeah, exactly. It could be as simple as there's a new opportunity here. I've always wanted to go to this city or whatever and see if I can build this franchise back up. Especially if it's like the Charlotte Hornets and he's back with Mitch Kupchak, you know? Or if he's with the Clippers, there are tangible reasons why he would want to go there. It's with my father and their team is already built for success and I can take it to the next level, you know? So... It could boil down to that, just the personal preference, and there's really nothing the Lakers could do. They could continue to stack titles upon titles upon titles, but it is what it is. I think I'll leave it right there. We shall wait for more of the specifics to come out so that we can properly contextualize this. Again, my problem with some of my timeline is just people people always want to throw out their initial hot takes, right? Regardless of whether or not they know the full scope of the story. And for those who have been Palinka skeptics, they use it as another opportunity to get on the podium and be like, Palinka, you mother effer, <laughs> you know, and, and for me, it's just like, I'll say that when it's time to say that. But for now, I'll, I'll just wait and see and contextualize it a little bit more. So 
Uh, any last words on this, or are we ready to move on and talk about Let's actual basketball? Let's move the hell on. Let's move the hell on. Oh, I actually have one more point, Alan. <laughs> All right. Um, my last quick point is I mentioned earlier that the Lakers are moving into like a moving in step into a new era, right? And with that new era, some of the objectives have kind of changed. It's no longer a rebuild era, and we don't have the same draft capital, right? Mm, yeah. And the draft capital that we do have, they might get traded anyways, <laughs> you know? Right. So, and one would argue, and I agree with this argument, that if you only have second rounders left, doesn't that make the scouting role even more important because you have to search for diamonds in the roughs? And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It would make it more important. But who's to say we don't have those guys already on the team in Jesse Buss and Joey Buss who have been knocking it out of the park with the South Bay Lakers and those second round picks? You know what I mean? Maybe right, they right. already know that it wasn't Ryan West who was finding all of those steals in the late first and early seconds. And it yeah, was these guys. Yeah, right, right. Because from what we know, it was a lot of the Buss brothers traveling all over the world, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. every single week. Um you know, watching film on on the elliptical machine, <laughs> like if you follow their Instagrams and stuff like that. Um, I don't I mean, was Ryan West at like all of those like types of scouting trips, if you will? I feel I'm like sure I never saw him in a few, pictures. Right, yeah. yeah, like not as much though, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, the role would definitely evolve given what our objectives are gonna be going forward with scouting. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind that maybe it is time for a fresh new start because our objectives have changed and we are pivoting. And Ryan West, we, we don't know again, like what role he played in the rebuild era. But if you if you want to say that he played a pivotal role, well, we're kind of moving out of that and focusing on second round picks, finding guys on the fringes, and we may already have those guys in place in house. So all right, let's talk about actual basketball, Alan. Let's talk about the Lakers offseason and go back to what we think about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. They had their intro press with the Clippers <laughs> this past <laughs> week. Hashtag LAR way. I think it's so funny that in the hashtag itself, it like indirectly references the Lakers. Yes. As a, as a, as a branding person, I'd be like, I'd stray away from that as as much as possible yes. but the fact that they say hashtag la our way yeah, it's like our way oh it's like you're versus trying to separate someone else's yourself way. yeah so exactly i would have gone with something totally hilarious <laughs> exactly um i would have gone with hashtag apple time just kidding we're microsoft's <laughs> <laughs> um Oh God, Balmer! Balmer would love that, dude. I think you got a job with the Clippers now in marketing. Exactly. You know, Kawhi Leonard <laughs> loves apples. But um, with that said, I have a question for you with regards to this off season because I think when the Kawhi Leonard news dropped, we kind of brushed over it and we we brushed over it and quickly jumped to the Lakers' Plan B pivot and how excited we were for Ooh, Demarcus Cousins. Oh, Avery Bradley. Look at these guys. Um, but. Looking back on it, I'm, I want to ask you, should we be more upset slash disappointed we didn't get Kawhi? Should we give that a little more credence that we did in the past? You know, we were so close to solidifying a legit dynasty and being the clear-cut favorites in a new NBA with more parity and no Durant on the Warriors. And knowing that we were that close yet so far, why or why not are we okay with the loss? Should we, yeah, should we lend more weight to that fail? Uh, so I'll... Toss that to you first, and I guess ask you, like, yeah, what lends to your lack of disappointment if you aren't as disappointed? It's it's funny. I feel like the Kawhi thing was such a long time now. So to kind of revisit those initial thoughts and feelings, 
is interesting. I think we've done a great freaking job of moving on emotionally. You know, because this this went down, what, like, July 4th-ish? Yeah, so I guess my question is, like, why have we moved on so quickly? If you can, like, exactly. dissect your internal emotions. So is it the <laughs> fact that you accepted that he wasn't likely to come and it was just a cherry on top of the Sunday? The fact that... Big-ass cherry. The, yeah, big-ass <laughs> cherry. Uh, or the fact that, you know, we, we traded for Anthony Davis, so that kind of assuages the loss of a Kawhi Leonard? Was it because the Lakers' plan B was so exciting and intriguing? Or, you know, a little bit of everything? I mean, ultimately, I do think it's a little bit of everything. Like, we did a great job of executing our plan B, and that has been really exciting. Um, I think playing with the this updated Lakers roster on NBA 2K has helped a lot as well, just to, like, actually get a feel and visualize it. Um, I'm like, 30% serious about that, by the way. <laughs> um, and then, like, remembering that we got Anthony Davis, again, because that happened right around Father's Day, which which seemed like such a long time ago. And then seeing his press conference, holding up the jersey, all that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, we actually got this dude. That alone is extremely exciting. So, for me personally, I think I've just chose to focus on what we have done versus what we mm-hmm. weren't able to do. Right. And that by itself has been great um i will say when paul george and Kawhi had their press conference this past week (laughs) and Kawhi said like he was close to choosing one of the other teams like really close now he could have been talking about toronto like really um but we'll just assume he was talking about the lakers I will say when he said that i was like ah damn like seriously like you were actually close to choosing us over the clippers Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of sucked. <laughs> and then also hearing him say out of his mouth, like, you know, the Clippers didn't leak anything. They kept things really close to the chest. Nothing got out there. There was like no chatter or whatever with any of our meetings. It's like, okay, well that's a direct shot at the Lakers because clearly stuff got out. Um, was that the number one factor for him? I strongly doubt it, but it's clearly something that was important. Like that did hurt our chances, um, that sucked. <laughs> and I mean, and why did that get out? Right? Like straight up, it was magic. Um, yeah. so going forward, like as an organization, and again, this is now not even focused on Kawhi. This is just focused on our professionalism and our process. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're going to involve magic in things, or if he's going to involve himself, I feel like there is no way to clearly, communicate with him what the expectations are in terms of protocol because he's Mm -hmm. just going to do what he wants okay so how do you ensure he doesn't do what he wants you don't involve him (laughs) is what you do (laughs) sure (laughs) so how do you not involve him though when he's a part of the family you you just like you you literally don't talk to him because i feel like that's impossible right like he's gonna know what's going on And I don't know, that's like an interesting puzzle, I guess, that they're going to have to figure out and they're going to have to navigate that one. Um, To pin it all on Magic, I don't think is correct, but I do think he does deserve part of the blame pie. Um, Kawhi may as well have mentioned his name specifically, right? Right, So so there's that, I guess, which which did kind of bring up some negative emotions this past week as far as Kawhi goes. Right. I I think for me, the reason why I'm able to kind of move on quicker is and I think you're like this too so is Tommy but we're we're a Lakers podcast and we like to 
you know, go into all the different angles and theoreticals. And for me, I'm never one to hold too tightly to a notion and make it a given in my head, no matter how close it seems like we are. You know, like like, like LeBron James last year and Paul George last year. I always, at the very least, factor into the equation, like, what if this doesn't happen? Of course. And I try and mentally already wrap my head around that to the point where I'm okay. Yeah, you're already convinced that it won't happen, so, so it'll be fine. So for me, I had already done it. I, I I did a whole podcast about here are the Lakers' plan B contingencies and who who they'll sign, and like 80% of it ended up happening. And I was like, oh, I was okay with that then? I'm definitely okay with it now. Exactly. You know, so that's part of the reason why I was able to move on faster, even though it was, again, it was a gut punch for sure because we had begun to wrap our head around, oh, this is closer than we thought, and then it wasn't, and then it was again. <laughs> but... For me, that's part of it. The other thing is, from a narrative level, and you guys know this because we did a podcast on this, it it didn't personally jive with me to take on a mercenary like Kawhi who just won a championship and finals MVP during his first mercenary stop with the with the Raptors. It, it felt a bit cheap and uh, cheap to me to bring on someone like that when you already have LeBron James on your team. Obviously, I wasn't going to be opposed to it or be disappointed, but just from like a personal subjective level, it would have been like, uh, okay, this is cool. You know, definitely going to be cool. And as the season progresses, I'll find ways to get hyped and excited. And there'll be new narrative stories to intertwine with Kawhi Leonard that makes it so it doesn't feel like a cheat code, right? But for me, I had always thought that if we bring in Kawhi, there's like a baseline level of expectation for the Lakers next season that was literally just going to be championship or bust. And there literally would have been nowhere to go but down, 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 right? So I kind of secretly was okay with parity and Kawhi choosing another team and the Lakers hysterically now being considered underdogs after acquiring Anthony Davis, you know? Because the narrative now is like, look at these scrappy upstart Lakers. Will they make it in the tough Western Conference against the Clippers? And I'm just like... Keep thinking that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. And it just makes the the, the storyline of this season that much more intriguing, I guess. So as a writer, I like that angle. I like that Kawhi, or I, not that I like it, but I'm okay with Kawhi choosing another team. And it's not like he, he didn't choose the Lakers because he hates LeBron James and Anthony Davis. In fact, it's the opposite of that. He has a ton of respect for those guys. He just wanted to go this direction, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that's helped me to move on is... It will be exciting to see these two these two teams duke it out, right? Um, imagine if two other teams in the league had this sort of thing happen to them, not in Los Angeles. We'd be salivating, right? So if the Knicks had gotten two guys and the Nets got two guys, we'd be like, oh, man, like that's going to be so sick to watch that unfold. It'll be really fun to watch those games, and we'll just enjoy like a new rivalry. So, I mean, yeah, we live in L.A. and we're Laker fans, so it's very close to us. The fact that we can enjoy this sort of thing and, like, actually, like I said, hate the Clippers. Like, at this to this point in our lives, we've just looked at the Clippers as little brother, blah, 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 all that stuff. And, of course, we always really want to beat them, but it's just really been a joke. Uh, even when the Lakers have sucked for the last six years and they've been better, it's like, oh, whatever, the Clippers are stupid. Um, but now we can legitimately dislike them. And mm-hmm. it'll feel like there's something personal going on. And um, in some ways, I think some Laker fans will feel offended by that. Like, oh, it's the Clippers. We shouldn't take them seriously, though. Like, we're so much better. But I don't know. I, I, I think that has helped me move on the fact that uh, it's just going to be very exciting to see this entire season unfold. Um, 
and to have that disdain that almost is close to like the disdain that we have for like the Celtics. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Right. And I think the intrigue is just there for this Lakers roster and this team. If we had Kawhi Leonard, though, the narrative the entire season would be, are they going to be a 60 win team and any yeah. loss? They're like, they're just going to overreact. Total to everything. freak out mode for sure. Yeah. They're going to overreact to everything regardless, but at least, you know, we, we have receipts of people saying, are they even going to make the playoffs? (laughs) You can't have it both ways, man. So I'm glad that, that our scrappy little startup team here can, can try and make their way in the Western conference this year. And hopefully if we're healthy, we'll have a good shot at being top four seed, hopefully. So we'll leave it right there Uh, to close our show. Alan, I just wanted to talk about uh, the Lakers rotation and what we think the starting lineup might be where we're a far ways off from training camp so things could change but every from everything we've gathered anthony davis saying he doesn't prefer to play center to lebron james playing on 2k with specific lineups and saying this lineup's fire to frank vogel you know kind of diffusing uh, the statement that lebron james is going to start a point guard and, and also, given the contracts that the Lakers doled out to specific free agents, does that sort of begin to tell the tale of how the starting lineup will look like, how the bench unit will look like, and how will that closing lineup look like, uh, in your opinion? Uh, so let's start with the starting lineup from everything we've gathered, and also, you know, how Boogie and AD love to <laughs> play with each other, how they're like the, the best buddy cop dynamic duo of the century essentially the key and peel uh, <laughs> i don't good. know who else like you're that. out there lucy and ethel yeah timon and pumba <laughs> uh adam what's what's his uh, name uh adam scott and chris traeger on parks and rec there you go literally the best literally the best uh aziz ansari tom haverford and um shoot andy michael so, scott that, dwight true Exactly. That's Boogie and AD. So taking all those things into account... Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, bad boys. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, taking all that into account, how do you see the starting lineup shaking out for the Lakers? Uh, <laughs> so I, I make that noise <laughs> because I'm thinking about point guard, right? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Rondo. <laughs> and I'm thinking about how they want to recreate the New Orleans situation with him, AD, and Boogie. <laughs> Um, I mean, again, this is one of those things that, like we talked about earlier, it's hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's like, I've already convinced myself that Rondo is going to be starting the season. Ooh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if that happens, um, good luck with our interior defense, having to cover all of the mistakes that are going to occur up top. Um, well, good luck with our spacing too. That <laughs> Uh, yeah so i mean i hope i hope rondo doesn't start but i'm like just bracing myself for that um but it's like if lebron is basically the one running point um i mean that'd be cool right but i i do Mm -hmm. think like boogie is gonna start um so boogie ad you got lebron danny green Let's say that it's not the worst case scenario doesn't happen and it's not Rondo because I don't I realistically don't think it's Rondo because okay. he'd hurt the spacing and he'd hurt the defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rondo can be the guy because you also have LeBron running point, right? Right, Rondo, right. You don't need Rondo in that scenario. You need him more for the bench unit or the third bench unit. So yeah, for sure. Who would you want in place there? 
um, at the pseudo point guard spot. I mean, and this is kind of describing the closing lineup, right? Of like, okay, so you have Kuz in there as well. Um, God, that is a huge freaking team. <laughs> but then I, I can see Kuz coming off and being the sixth man as well, right? So mm-hmm. then I guess you could have Avery Bradley in there. Um, Quinn Cook is, I mean, he'll stretch the floor, but his defense is abysmal as well. So potentially. Final answer, Alan. Potentially Avery Bradley. <laughs> Avery Bradley. <laughs> yep. Okay. So that's that's my starting five as well. And if you look at the way they doled out their contracts to the combo guards, Avery Bradley's making the most. He's making the most at four point seven million. Then it's Quinn Cook at three million. Then it's Alex Caruso at two point five million. And then it's Rondo at the veteran minimum, right? So I think there is some logic and rationale to the way that they gave those contracts, right? Yeah. And I think Avery Bradley, if he can rebound to even seventy five percent of who he once was, is essentially the perfect combo guard next to LeBron James because he doesn't need the ball, but he can create for himself if he does have the ball. Um, he does play defense and he can shoot from three-point land. So it's essentially like an amped up, more versatile version of Mario Chalmers. And given the fact that he's making the most out of all the combo guards and he was a former Palinka client, I have to think that Bradley's going to get first crack at the starting job. My ideal lineup potentially may be having Kuzma in there or even Alex Caruso because Caruso gives you the best of both worlds because he can play make, he can play defense, he can shoot threes, maybe not at the proficient level that other guys can, but he can do a little bit of everything. But also he has extra size, right? He's 6'5", an extra length. But for now, my starting lineup to begin the season would be Bradley, Green, Braun, Boogie, and AD. And I think they keep Boogie and AD together. One, to just appease the locker room, keep Boogie pacified, and just knowing that those guys know how to play together, right? When they played together on the court with the New Orleans Pelicans, when Rondo wasn't in the lineup, they fared very well against other teams. And that's going to be a big-ass front line with LeBron, Boogie, and AD. But I think they'll try and make it work to start off with. Um, I think when it comes to the best five, like, like, let's just talk about our best five players, right? Who would that be? Um, probably the one with Kuzma in there. Right. So yeah. Braun, Green, Kuz, AD, and Boogie. Is there a chance we could see that five at some point in the game? I think so. Maybe potentially to close certain games, cause this is very situational, right? I could yeah. see a scenario where against the Sixers, we have that lineup, right? I don't think there's going to be a set quote-unquote death lineup, but it's interesting the different looks that we can throw at teams this year, right? Because of our depth, which is another thing to laud the front office over and just the way that we rebounded post-Kawhi. So I think our death lineup is going to be Green, Kuzma, Braun, AD, and whoever's hot amongst Bradley, KCP, Quinn Cook, and Caruso, right? I don't envision DeMarcus Cousins necessarily being in that death lineup too often unless there's another big that they have to account for because death lineup, usually you're thinking versatile, super switchy, and yeah, versatile and super switchy, right? And then DeMarcus Cousins may be a liability, especially on defense because of that. Uh, Would you agree with that, you know, contingent death lineup where it's like green, Kuz, Braun, AD, and whoever's hot amongst the shooting combo guards? Yeah, no, 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 I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, there's another lineup that I think would be very interesting, and it's called the Wingy Switchy lineup. Where Oh, that's what it's called. Just kidding. Well, yeah, the Wingy Switchy. <laughs> it is called. <laughs> um, not official, not trademarked, but the Wingy Switchy podcast. But So the Wingy Switchy lineup would be LeBron, 
KCP, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, and Anthony Davis. You can switch all five positions. Everybody has length. Everybody's at least 6'5 or taller. And I mean, that's an intriguing lineup from a defensive end. Um, and if you want to get really wingy, maybe take AD out and put Jared Dudley in because he played some small ball four for uh, the Brooklyn Nets and maybe even some small ball five like PJ Tucker. So that's interesting, right? KCP, Green, Braun, Kuz, Dudley. You can switch every position guarding one through five on the other end, depending on who that other team has at the five spot. Yeah, you, you could see that kind of lineup against like Houston or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Someone yeah. going super small. I, I like that the Lakers have that option and that versatility at their disposal this year. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a breath of fresh air from last year where you really had to do some crazy mental gymnastics to fit guys into certain lineups and be like, yeah, I guess maybe this will work. This time it's like, oh, I could see it working on a variety of different levels. And we even have like an, a shooting all offense lineup that we can go to that involves Quinn Cook, Danny Green, KCP, Jared Dudley, LeBron James as the center, you know, where everybody can space the floor for you. And that's exciting. And the other thing to keep in mind is if Kuzma's able to actually work on his defensive technique this offseason and come back a more solid defender, and he brings his three-point shooting back to 35% levels of the 35% that he had during his rookie season, actually it was more 37%. 37, yeah. That would unlock even more lineups because then Kuzma just becomes like a plug-and-play sort of guy. I mean, he already is, but if he can actually do what he's supposed to in 3 and D it up, then you can put him into any of these lineups, right? Yeah, definitely. So it's i'm very excited at the versatility that we have it just provided that everybody stays healthy of course but even if a couple guys go down i feel like we're stacked at almost every position in terms of can this guy bring you defense can this guy shoot can he give you playmaking a little bit i feel like we have a surplus of those guys right because avery bradley can do that um alex caruso can do that quinn cook can do that there are some holes here and there with maybe this guy can't play defense or this guy can't shoot as well but I think we have a lot of areas covered. So your final thoughts on just the rotations and the depth that we have this year. Yeah, uh, the versatility for sure is what stands out. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, of course, like guys just got to do their job. Like we can't have these situations where someone who is expected to shoot the ball extremely efficiently suddenly drops off like 5%, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like too often we will get Reggie Bullock. You know, we're like, oh, my God, this guy can shoot the lights out. And then what does he do? Like, he does nothing. Now, granted, we acquired him midseason and, you know, whatever. Last year was super weird. Um, We have these expectations of Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, um, to shoot the ball very, very well. (laughs) And it's just like a Murphy's Law, super irrational way of thinking. But I think as Laker fans over the last six years, we've grown accustomed to having this mentality is like, oh, God, like, what if these guys just suddenly are not themselves anymore, mm-hmm. right? And again, that's so irrational to think that way, but we've experienced it pretty much every year. It's like, whoa, what happened? So these guys just need to come in and be themselves, and I think right. um, a lot of that is up to the coaching staff as well, right, to put them in a position um, where they're being utilized for their strengths and the transition to this team, which is just, you know, like, there's a completely brand new team. Like, it needs to be a seamless transition for everybody. Um, so that'll be a key to unlocking everybody's potential and just making sure that uh, guys feel comfortable. Absolutely. Well said. And I think Anthony Davis and LeBron James and even Boogie Cousins will help everybody 
quote unquote, be themselves. All right, with that said, we've gone on long. Alan, thanks for hopping on. I know you have a brunch to go to in J-Town. Have fun with that. I've got to go as well. Uh, So, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Like I mentioned, consider becoming a patron this year so they can get some early listens to all of our upcoming great episodes with some awesome, insightful guests that'll give us tidbits into what the players are working on this offseason and what we can look forward to uh, in the next one or two months. I know it's we're entering, we're actually, we're right smack dab into the dead zone of summer, although that Ryan West news will have you think otherwise, but I know you guys are starving for content, and if you want to get it early and into your ears, nice and hot, whatever, <laughs> please donate a buck or two to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast and consider becoming a patron. With that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Stay cool, stay hydrated. Alan. Jonathan. <laughs> Sorry, I was just like, Alan. <laughs> Later, dude. <laughs> Later. Peace. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.